The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and in fact, all small businesses, and we're heard around the world at this same time every week. And I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. I got a little bit of a a new segment today, the Bob Pritchard Life Instruction Book. So I'm going to give you three little tips that I think just may help you in your life. The first one is, Don't allow the phone to interrupt your important moments. I see people all the time answering the phone, answering the phone. Don't let the phone interrupt your important moments. The phone's there for your convenience, not for the callers. The second one is don't major in minor things. Focus on the big picture, the important things. And the third one, when something causes you problems, Apply what I call the 10 rule. You know, we worry and we lose sleep and we do all that, but apply the 10 rule. Will this problem be important in 10 minutes? Will it be important in 10 days? Will it be important in 10 weeks? Will it be important in 10 months? You get the picture. Well, usually things are probably important for the next 10 minutes, But 99% of things are not going to be important in 10 days or 10 hours. So don't worry about them. Just wipe them out in your mind, put them in that compartment that says unimportant, and just get on with your life. Okay, we're going to do that each week. There's some fun ones. So if you know any great, interesting life facts or lessons, drop me a note at bob at bobpritchard.com. And I would love to share them. Now, first up today, a very interesting piece of research news that came out this week. March X Institute, hard word, (laughs) Institute, gathered some pretty interesting information about how men and women act differently on the phone. Now, why would they even bother studying that? We all know that men and women are different on the phone. Women like to chat for hours and hours and hours, right? Well, wrong. Marchex found that firstly, men spend much more time on the phone than women. Men are more talkative than women. In fact, men stay on the phone for about 20% longer than women. 
They also found, and this is not surprising, that male and females call different types of businesses. So if you're in the business of selling pest control and you know that 60% of all the calls will be from females, how would you structure your marketing and your advertising? Would you change your targeting methodology? Of course you would. Now, recognising the patterns and tendencies is the kind of game-changing information that enables marketers and businesses to dramatically improve conversion. Thirdly, men call much earlier in the day than women. Men tend to make most of their calls in the beginning of the day, whereas women tend to make more calls after lunch. And finally, they found that men and women call for different products. So in pest control, for example, men and women have a different set of concerns. Men accounted for 52% of all the calls concerning mice. (laughs) Women, on the other hand, generated almost 60% of the calls for all other pest types. So when creating a mobile strategy, do your homework. I mean, you can save yourself an awful lot of money and get much better conversion by being well-targeted. So I thought that was very interesting, and I don't think – I know a lot of people who um, do a lot of mobile phone um, marketing these days, and very few of them go into that level of detail, but obviously it's extremely important. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've also been discussing how critical it is to develop an emotional connection with whoever you want to do business with. So whether you want to get a loan or get an investor, make a sale – Um, organise a joint venture partner or any other deal, it's really critical to make an emotional connection. This also applies in your work to get people to enthusiastically follow you and do what you want them to do. As we've said many times, people make every single decision emotionally and then they justify it pragmatically. Of course, if people are emotionally committed to you, then they're much more likely to make a pragmatic decision that's also in your favour. So no matter what you do, the ability to develop and maintain rapport with large numbers of people of totally diverse backgrounds will allow you to get anything you want. When people like each other, they will go out of their way to help each other. If they don't like you, great rapport and making an emotional connection is neuro-linguistic program or NLP for short. I'm sure nearly everybody listening has heard the term. Now, if you can master even basic NLP, your success rate will skyrocket. The best salespeople in the world in almost every field of endeavor understand NLP. And remember that 38% of all communication is tone, a voice obviously, and 55% is physiology. So now while NLP is complicated if you go into it in detail, there are some simple rules that anyone can adopt. And most people, once they get an understanding of NLP, usually seek out books on it. 
there have been literally thousands of books written on the subject. So if you go online and seek out advice on which are the best books, that's what I did. I just looked up best five books on NLP and I got the list. You certainly will not regret it. Now, have you ever had a situation where you sit down and you explain something really thoroughly to someone and they just don't get it? Or you're having a dinner party and you pass around your holiday photos of which you're very proud and some people just pass them on without barely a glance. It's not that they're not, it's not that they're stupid and can't understand or that they don't give a damn about your holiday. It's just that they communicate differently than you do. Most people are essentially one of three different communication characteristics. So have a think about these as I, as I talk about them and try to determine which characteristic you think you are. The first of these characteristics is visual. Approximately 37% of the population is visual, so about one in three. If you're visual, you speak and think in visual terms. You know, you have trouble remembering verbal communications because your mind just wanders and you're interested in how things look. Now, does that description fit you? If it doesn't, well, you may be auditory. But only about 8% of the population's auditory, so it's a fairly small percentage. So if you're auditory, you process information and speak in auditory terms. Now, you can repeat things back easily, and you learn by listening. You love music. You love talking on the phone. You're interested in what people have to say. So if that description relates to you, then you're an auditory person. Now, if I haven't nailed your characteristic yet, then you may belong to the largest group. Approximately 45% of people are kinesthetic. Now, kinesthetic people are touchy-feely. They respond to physical rewards. They like touching people, products and things. They usually stand closer than, say, a visual person would. They will be interested in what you say if it feels right. Now, visual people tend to be excited and exuberant. That's me. I'm visual. And kinesthetic people are at the other extreme. They're much, much slower. Auditory people, well, they're somewhere between the two. So obviously, if you're a visual person and want to build rapport with an auditory person, you need to slow down a bit. You need to modulate your voice and really listen and adjust your approach to better mirror their characteristics and speak in their terms. If you're meeting with somebody visual, then you need to get more excited. You need to match their actions and their reactions. So how can you tell whether somebody's visual, auditory or kinesthetic? Often, their speech and their mannerisms will give them away. If you listen to me, I speak quickly. I'm probably visual. In fact, I am. But a great way to tell 
is by what they say. For example, visual people use words like see, appear, envision, imagine, and they'll use phrases like, I see what you're saying. Picture this appears to me. I can see that. And dozens of other phrases that relate to seeing. On the other hand, auditory people, that's people who think um, in hearing terms, will say, sounds familiar, rings a bell, I hear you loud and clear, unheard of, and other phrases that are related to sound. Kinesthetic people, they're touchy-feely, they say things like, yeah, I've got a handle on that, I can come to grips with that, get in touch with another similar touchy-feely phrases. So once you know what characteristic people are, you can now begin to better relate to them by using the types of words and the types of phrases that they will relate to. It sounds a bit daunting first up, but I'm here to tell you that after a bit of practice, it becomes second nature. i got a really good friend who is one of the world's best salesmen and, and has won heaps and heaps of, heaps of awards. And when he goes to a meeting, he makes very clever small talk, trying to determine what characteristic the person is before he will get into his building rapport and getting into the sales process. But there are a few other ways that you can develop great rapport. Firstly, match the modality. Ramp up if you're talking to a visual person, slow down a bit for an auditory person, and slow right down for a kinesthetic person. You should also adopt their posture. If they're sitting up tall and straight, you do likewise. Don't slouch over. Secondly, you should, as much as possible, physically mirror them. Copy their posture, their expressions. They talk with their hands, talk with their hands, even the way they sit. You know, not so that it looks obvious and looks like you're taking the mickey out of them, but so that they relax and begin to relate to you. Their subconscious mind will automatically say, they are like me. I like them. And then you're halfway there. The third element is to match their voice in tone, tempo, and volume, if you can. And the fourth element is to match the size of their information. For example, if they speak in fairly short sentences containing just one thought, then you do the same. If they talk in long sentences where they get across a whole passage of information, do the same again. So... Mirror what they do. The fifth element is common experiences. People love people who share their interests. Before I go into any meetings, we go onto all of the social media sites and we find out as much as possible about whoever it is I'm meeting. Where they were born, their hobbies, their favourite sports teams, what sort of food they like. Then you can structure your discussion around common interests. Now, if you make an effort to connect to people by presenting to them the way they present to you, show an interest in their interests, it is 100% guaranteed that they will feel more connected to you. This will in turn encourage them to feel comfortable 
doing business with you. It'll take some time, takes a bit of preparation, but isn't that what relationships are all about? Since when of relationships, getting work and being successful been easy? It's not. It's bloody hard. One of my favourite sayings is by Abraham Lincoln, who said, if I have eight hours to cut down a tree, I will spend six hours sharpening the axe. Before you go into a meeting, how much time do you spend sharpening the axe? I speak to a lot of sales groups where not one salesperson has done any preparation before he goes into a meeting. They know their product backwards and they think that's all they need to do to get a sale. They know nothing about their contact except that he's the sales manager or whatever he is. Sure, they know everything there is about their product, but today that will get you almost nowhere. Don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and let me know what you think. Don't forget also that this program is all about you. It's about the entrepreneur, about the small business person that's listening to the show, looking for tips on how to be more successful. That is what we are here for. This whole show is dedicated to assisting you. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we'll email you directly. I'm Bob Pritchard and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and my first guest in just a moment. You're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where we talk to many of the most successful people in the world. Now, successful people are not born successful. They earn it. And luck is where opportunity meets preparation. 
This is the segment where we find out what characteristics make some people really stand out from the rest of us. We've often talked on this program about the fact that one of the most important reasons people fail is because of lack of persistence. Today, it's my pleasure to speak with Ben Newman. Now, Ben is a business coach, a distinguished author, and a great speaker. In the financial services industry, Ben works with many of the elite Fortune 100 financial firms in the United States. He's also qualified for the Million Dollar Roundtable every year, and he ranks in the top 1% of wealth management professionals in the world. Ben is renowned among leading corporations for his ability not only to inspire and motivate people, but for setting actionable steps, helping their leaders grow and develop successful national sales teams. Ben is a four, four times author, and his latest book, Own Your Success, The Power to Choose Greatness and Make Every Day Victorious, is a number one business bestseller and was selected, <laughs> that's the word I was looking for, by CEO Reed as the number 13 bestseller for its top 25 business books of 2012 for what corporate America is reading. So, he knows all about business, he knows all about how to get sales, and it's a pleasure to welcome Ben to the show. Hi, how are you? Bob, I am doing fantastic, and uh, really exciting for me to have this opportunity to not only be with you, but each and every one of your listeners, and I appreciate the introduction as well. Well, it's true, there was a hell of a lot more. You've, you've had a great career, and... Uh, and, of course, you're only partway through it. I mean, you've got oodles to go, so who knows what success will follow. Um, yeah, but you know what, you know what, you know what, Bob? It's, it's, it, the introductions are never fair because you highlight all the good stuff. I think it's the, it's the adversity, it's the challenge, and it's the response to the challenge that actually, actually gives you the opportunity to experience success. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I do a lot of speeches myself, and I gave a speech once about my failures. I, I went out and spoke for an hour about um, my failures, all the failures that have happened to me. And uh, while I thought it was kind of motivating and inspiring, I think I just added another failure to my failures. <laughs> uh, it's a very unique business book, and unlike any other business book that I've ever read, particularly on leadership, because it's a work of fiction. How much of the lead character, who is P.S. Edwards, is you? Well, I have, uh, I have heard that quite frequently, that question, since the book was released in August. And, you know, there are certainly bits and pieces, you know, that are me. But I did do a very conscious job of trying to figure out what is it that people are craving, how could I create a character that would enable the reader to not only connect with the character but feel like they were on the journey with him? And the feedback has been great because people really feel like they can relate to Pierce and the ups and downs of his life is similar to what other people have experienced and, and people are really enjoying it. If you follow his lead and do the things that he does and believe in the philosophies that he believes in, Will you be successful? Well, you know, it, it's an interesting question, Bob, because, you know, success is going to be defined by each individual that reads the book. So I think the most important thing is that if you choose to read the book, own your success, 
that you go through some of these ideas, some of the experiences that Pierce goes through, and identify, are there areas where you are willing to change in your life? Right. And who are the team members? Who are the people that you can put in place to help you be the best that you can be? And when you can define what your maximum effort is in your life, that's success. True. That's true. Um, the first epiphany that Pierce had was that he himself was responsible for his life, good and bad. You know, I've got a similar saying. I say that, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me. And uh, yet so many business people that I speak to still believe that luck plays a big role in success. I'm not quite successful because you know, I just haven't been lucky or that guy's more successful because he's been lucky. I don't happen to believe that. Um, so what do you think that people can learn from this epiphany from Pierce? Well, I, I think any time, you know, and we all in our lives, you know, maybe it's, you know, you haven't experienced it yet in your business life, but, you know, back in high school, you were a great athlete. Uh, whatever it might be, there's so many different examples, but I think if we can accept responsibility for where we are and figure out what are the daily activities that will fire us up and get us excited about our lives personally and professionally, that if we can tackle those daily objectives, we will ultimately become the person that we were destined to be. And just like for Pierce, once he accepted responsibility and said he was willing to change, he was able to see a more clear path for what will inevitably be possible for his future. When, you, um, when you're going through college and you're trying to determine where you want to go, your experience of the world and what's out there is pretty limited. And, of course, the roles that are um, fulfilling today are totally different roles that would than were fulfilling 10 years ago, for example. So how do you map out your life's plan when you don't have all of the information and it won't come to you until things actually, until you actually get there? Well, you know, I, I think it's always fun to, you know, to think big. I, I can give an Absolutely. example. I, I, I have a gentleman who attended one of my boot camps two years ago. And one of the exercises we do, and I would encourage all the, all the listeners, as, as trivial as it sounds when you say it, there's so much power in the exercise, is we put together, some people call them dream boards. Yeah. Right? So you cut out pictures. What are the things that I can do? Think big. What energizes you? And personal and professional things. And this one gentleman, now I encourage everybody, don't call them dream boards. Call them reality boards because your dreams become reality. So in two, in two years' time, this gentleman two years ago had 12 items on his reality board. Six of them have already come true in two years. So if you're not willing to be courageous enough to put yourself out there, to put people in the stands, to think big, then you're going to limit your op opportunity to make it happen. And the bigger you can think wherever you are, I'm a firm believer that the brighter future you will have. I agree. I agree. Bite off more than you can chew and chew like hell. Yeah, and if you fall a little bit short, you're still doing more because you chose to be courageous and to think bigger. Yeah, I agree. Um, over, this, over the past few weeks, we've been talking on the show about uh, how important it is to develop emotional connections with whoever you're dealing with in order to um, uh, close a sale or 
achieve whatever it is you want to achieve because people like people who that they they emotionally connect with and most decisions in fact all decisions are made initially emotionally and then justified pragmatically you also uh, talk about the need to process our emotions good and bad can you explain exactly what you mean in that context yeah, I think the you know the most important thing is to always take a look at you know the positives and the negatives, and don't spend too much time on the negative, but be able to connect to the why things happen and be willing to change. And I think ultimately, I always call it reframing. You know, if you can reframe the negative, understand it, but always search for the solution, then you're going to wind up in a much better place. Right. Um, the next tool you talk about is detachment. It's it's to me, it's a bit kind of similar. I think this is really an important point. Um, you don't use this to mean that we shouldn't feel, but rather that we should relieve ourselves of the negative um, emotions that are associated with things every day in our life. If we choose to view them with a little more distance, I think that's really important because otherwise we dwell on the negatives. We, you know, we'd never get anything done. Yeah, I mean, you know, re research really shows, you know, unless you're dealing with, you know, very complex health issues, you've been given a diagnosis that, you know, God forbid something's going to happen where, you know, you're not going to live, right? I mean, you can still, just like my mom did when she was given that diagnosis and reading her journal, uh, you know, I was able to find that my mom still reframed, even though we were talking about death. Yeah. But if, if we're literally just talking about a business circumstance, Research will show you that spending any more than 60 seconds dwelling on the negative is not going to do anything to produce a positive outcome. And, you know, you, you can even take it further to look at the life expectancy. Optimistic people actually live 14 years longer. Yeah. So I think most of us on this call would agree we'd like to live a nice, full life where we give our max effort. So and I, yeah. choosing to be positive is a way to do that. So how do you how do you do that though? Because most of us do get upset by often the most trivial things that go wrong, and you you start analysing why, and the more you analyse why, the more depressed you get. Um, how how do you detach yourself? Because you, it's it's all right to say oh, I'm not going to think about that anymore, but the reality is that if you're that sort of a person, it just keeps coming back, doesn't it? Isn't that what I'll, people make at night? I'll give you a great personal example where, where I learned it and it's helped me understand that uh, it can make a big difference for individuals in their lives. When my mother was sick with a disease called amyloidosis, there were two hospitals in the United States treating the disease. My mother chose to go receive treatment in Boston. She was told she only had two to four years to live and she was only the second woman under 40 they'd ever seen or heard of having the disease, the rarest of the rare. Well, what would my mother do? Rather than my mother living a solemn existence, shutting herself out, my mother's trips to Boston for treatment turned into family vacations. She would take my brother and I. We'd go to Chinatown. We'd go candlestick bowling. We would laugh together. We would hug each other. We would love on one another because that's what life is about. And what my mother taught me through that experience is that we all, no matter how big our obstacles are, we can choose to use the tool of reframing. And what it means is, is the next time for you, as the listener, when you experience an obstacle, yell out to the world on the count of three, reframe, and then search for the solution. 
and put your energy into the activities that create solutions rather than the behaviors that enable you to live in the obstacle. Okay. I'm just thinking about that for a second. Um, so you actually, what, what if there are things that are final and you can't, you know, the decision's done, you can't do anything about that decision? Um, so in that case, you don't reframe it. You just dismiss it from your mind. Is that what you do? Well, I, I think, you know, dependent upon the circumstance you refer to, there, there may be some sort of a, you know, emotional connection that needs to take place. You know, but I think the key is is that if you don't have to dwell on the emotional response for an extended period of time, then choose not to and choose to do something that's going to make you feel good. And it doesn't have to be related to, to making money or business. Sure. It can be if you feel down, go, go surround yourself with friends that need your love and attention because it's going to make you feel better about your journey. Spend time with your children if you have children. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, so in the five key factors for attaining belief in yourself – which was the lesson of your first teacher in your book, Own Your Success, you say that we never actually fail in life. We just don't always get the results we want. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, once again, it's all in how you think. You know, your success, it's not just about changing your habits. It's about changing the way that you think. So let's say if you had to go take an exam for continued education, if you're in the investment business trying to get licensed to sell other products, and you're failing exams. Well, if you constantly tell yourself a fa- that you're a failure, it's very hard to respond to that, very Absolutely. negatively. But Absolutely. if you tell yourself, you know what, right now I'm not getting the results that I want, but I'm going to schedule that thing again and I'm going to pass. Much more positive for how you're choosing to move forward. Yeah, that, that, that's that's really true because we've been talking about persistence um, and uh, I've quoted stacks of research that says that most people fail because they're just not persistent enough. They'll have one or two or three goes and then they stop where the actual um, the reality is that uh, most decisions, for example, purchase decisions, are made after the sixth to the eighth contact and, and a lot of people just give up too easy and... Um, it is amazing that if you if you um, are persistent, you will be successful. And maybe people sometimes shoot too high. I mean, and where where you are a hundred percent right is where you say that um, uh, you know if you shoot for a hundred million dollars and you make five, you're still pretty successful. Absolutely, you know. I think a lot of times, Bob, you know, people fight becoming the person they were destined to be because of this internal resistance. And I think the more that you can chase your fears, take action against your fears, and fight your internal resistance, the more that you'll accomplish and the bigger impact that you're going to have on other people in your life. Yeah. I like what you share from Coach Edwards in St. Louis. Um, Can you tell us more about the Prize Fighter Day concept that um, Coach Edwards teaches Pierce? Yes, it's one of my, my favorite concepts, and we've worked very hard uh, to develop this concept, and we've seen people embrace this all over the world. And the concept is about you having the opportunity in your life to have a daily victory regardless of any obstacles that come your way. Right. And it's about right. choosing three things that you can accomplish that are activity-based, not results-based. So you have to have goals. You have to have vision. But once you paint that vision on the canvas of your imagination, you have to pull that vision down and figure out what's the work in order to accomplish my vision. 
That's right. what the Pride right. Fighter Day is all about. So you choose one thing personal, one thing business-related, and one thing that is of service to other people every day that you can accomplish that's in directly alignment with your goals. Make sure they're activities. It could right. be a workout. You either choose to work out or you choose not to work out. If you're in sales, the number of sales phone calls will be your business. You either choose to dial or you choose not to dial the phone. And right. a service to others is choose something to just give back. Give back. It doesn't have to be money. It could be your time. But go and serve others. Okay. So um, how important is it to to really stretch the um, the parameters of what you need to achieve instead of um, is it important to say I'm going to work out today and I'm going to work out really hard for 45 minutes or is it just the mere fact that you're going to work out today important? I think it's a, it's a, it's a fabulous question. So let's stick with that workout example. You know, what I would do is I would find out, you know, from your doctor or from research in a book, make sure that you're doing something that is still healthy. But if you're going to do, let's say, 30 minutes of cardio for four times per week, then what's your goal in terms of your heart rate? And work on increasing that heart rate so that you can, you can see improvement as opposed to just getting on the bike or getting on the treadmill and just running. Push yourself. Figure out what is your max effort. And constantly challenge your max effort, and you'll find that you'll grow in your health and you'll grow in your physical endurance. Okay, good answer. I, I guess um, trying to knock down 20 glasses of red wine doesn't count as a <laughs> challenge. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a daily activity, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> not, for, not for me it's not, actually. But um, why, would help it, why is helping others um, so important in the life of a successful person? Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I always love is you hear the stories of, you know, people giving back in their communities. And there's just so much strength, you know, be it a, you know, for some reason Drew Brees is popping into my mind, all the work that he's done in New Orleans when that city was so knocked yeah. down. And he, he knew that his positive energy could refuel, you know, the smiles of the people in New Orleans. All the way down to some of the things I've seen people in the business world do. I had one gentleman in Denver that I do some work with sent me an email two weeks ago that in order to feel good, he was going to go to the grocery store and buy a random person their groceries. Yeah. And, you know, it's just these little things that you can choose to do that can make all the difference in the world for somebody. Yeah, that's true. Um, we had a, a, there was a case in Sydney. I haven't lived in Australia for 25 years, really, but there's a case in Sydney where um, they had a day where the person, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which is where most people have to cross to get to the city, um, has a toll. And they had a day where everybody paid their toll for the person behind them. I know that sounds pretty <laughs> strange. But just the, the act of paying for somebody behind you, um, they looked at the people after when they got to work and people were, were happy and bright and had this really positive attitude where really it's no different than paying for yourself. It was just the thought of paying for somebody else. And, uh, well, I think it's critical. I think, you know, nothing feels better than going and working, say, at, um, in Skid Row at a, at a um, um, serving meals or whatever. Nothing makes you feel better. You really feel charged and you feel like you're accomplishing something. It's, it's really a good feeling. Um, so what can you tell our unemployed, retired soldiers, recent grads, etc., that are trying to deal with the 
global economic situation and the very difficult employment situation? Well, one thing, and I've received this question many times, and one of the things that I've received feedback on that it was helpful is to surround yourself with great people. Be active in your pursuit of getting that job. Yep. You know, rather than staying at home and waiting for the phone to ring, you know, you can go to breakfast. I, I spoke at, at a chamber event up in Chicago last year for a financial association, and I actually made it a point to welcome people who are out of jobs to encourage them to just be around other successful people. So yep. anything that you can do to put yourself in an environment with successful people, with companies that could be creating jobs, you are one step closer to finding that job for you. Yeah, I think that's one of the critical things about I've always um, had mentors ever since I can remember. And uh, you surround with yourself with successful people. You have mentors that you can bounce things off. And uh, it's amazing. They know so many people who know so many people. And it um, is always a big help for no matter what you want to achieve. So um, that's great advice. Ben, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I, I know how busy you are, and I know how difficult it's been to try and find this time to talk together. So I really do appreciate it. Now, if it's, you'd like, it's, it's been great to uh, you know to be with you and all your listeners, Bob. Thanks very much. If you'd like to find out more about Ben or his new book, Own Your Success: The Power to Choose Greatness and Make Every Day Victorious, or book Ben for your next presentation. Fantastic speaker. Tremendous. So next time you want to book a speaker for um, for your event, I mean, think of me first, but after me, think of Ben. <laughs> now you can get him by going to bennewman.net. So that's bennewman.net. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Show. 
and this week we're coming to you from my hometown of Los Angeles. Almost every week on this program, we talk about how critical great customer service is to the success of any business, irrespective of what it is. It's impossible to emphasize this enough. A recent study by PricewaterhouseCoopers determined that the most successful business in almost every one of the 51 categories of business they looked at was the customer service leader in that category. So if you're the customer service leader, 99 times out of 100, you're going to be the most successful business in your category. They found that customer service was the major contributor to driving growth, return on investment, and marketing cost effectiveness, with customer service being up to four times more important than launching new products or advertising and promotion. Not only that, great customer service reduced marketing cost, increased positive word of mouth, increased customer loyalty, and increased frequency of purchase. So, being that important, you would think that most companies would get customer service by now. Let me tell you about the most atrocious service I've ever encountered, and it happened to me in Sydney. This story started with a visit by a technician armed with a repair part they had ordered, which I was told would cost me $600 plus a $135 attendance fee. That's just $135 just to come to your place. When he attended my house in November, the technician said he'd brought the wrong part and would need to come back again with new parts. So he charged me $135 for this service. So I said to him, while you're there, could you look at this other appliance for me? And he said, oh, if I do, I need to charge you another $135, despite the fact that he was already there. And if I had got him to fix it, they would have earned money from that. So when I was back in Australia, I booked another serviced visit to repair the appliance with the new parts. I waited home all day and no one turned up. I then booked another service, again waited all day at home and no one turned up. I did not receive any follow-up on either occasion to inquire about what went wrong. Now, I was only in Sydney for 10 days, so two full days out of my time is extremely valuable to me. I am flat out when I'm there. When I complained and advised them that I would contact the Department of Fair Trading and I would also seek compensation for my loss of two days productivity and the $135 that I paid for absolutely nothing, the company's attorneys sent me a letter. So I complained to the company (laughs) and they sent me an attorney's letter saying their client denied that it had not fulfilled its terms of service and that it had continued to resolve the matter in a professional manner. God, in reality, there was absolutely no effort whatsoever to resolve the matter in any way, not even an attempt to rebook the service. But they then went on to say, and this is a classic, that if they don't agree with my version of events, if I carry out any action against them, they will file legal proceedings against me and will be obliged to report me to the police for blackmail. <laughs> so they come to the house, they bring the wrong place, charge, part, bring, charge you $135 for absolutely nothing, 
make two appointments to come back. Don't turn up either time. When you complain, they send you a legal letter threatening legal proceedings and to report you to the police because you had the cheek to criticise them. (laughs) I had to be back in the United States on Sunday and at the same time, my partner had been called to Queensland, which is interstate, to attend my elderly mother, who's 90-ish. My partner had been away for a couple of days, and when she checked her emails, she found three emails from this company, all within 24 hours, demanding a response. Now, they've been six months. 24 hours, I get three emails. The third email had this giant print right across the top, I mean, 10 times bigger than the print in the email, saying, third notice and berating us for not replying. So we didn't reply in 24 hours. They hadn't replied in months and months. And we get berated. Now, my partner telephoned the company to explain that she'd been called away and that I was in America. And she received a very curt, unsympathetic, don't give a damn response. When my partner questioned this curt response, she was told it was because of the email of complaint that they'd received from me. God. So summing up, in a period of about five months, we've had nothing repaired. One day sitting at home waiting for a technician who came with the wrong part. And then two full days sitting at home waiting for a technician who never turned up. And then when I had the absolute audacity to complain about this atrocious service, the company's way of addressing their lack of customer service was to threaten me with legal action and a police complaint. When they finally made a vain attempt to resolve the problem by rebooking the service, they had the hide to clearly show their annoyance that we did not respond instantly to their email. They showed no interest at any stage of inquiring what went wrong on these two occasions so they could improve their system of service attendance. They just didn't want to know. So I told them I was going to discuss this on the program today, and they now seem to be making some effort to repair the appliance. So I decided not to name them on the show unless this problem is not resolved in the next week or so. But next week, I'll bring you up to date with this miserable saga. Can you believe it? I've reported on customer service for 30 years. I've written books about it, and this is among the most atrocious examples I've ever experienced or heard of. Now, if you can top this story with an example of appalling customer service, drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and let me know. Now, one thing I love about speaking about business all over the world and at last count I've spoken in 53 countries, is that during question time after a speech, no matter where you are, the questions are pretty much the same. And I think the reason that the Bob Pritchard radio show has become globally popular is because the advice and expertise that we broadcast each week relates to every business, whether you're large, whether you're small, whether you're startup, or whether you're mature. Now, last week, I discussed the findings of the Association for Psychological Science, who closely examined 10 learning tactics and rated them from high to low on the basis of their studies. They found that underlining and highlighting text was a totally ineffective way to learn. 
Now, my first email today is from Helene Doherty, I guess that's how you say it, from Corpus Christi in Texas. And Elaine's email reads, Dear Bob, thanks for your program. It is terrific. It is really helpful in improving my business skills. I also find highlighting and underlining a waste of time. My uncle who saw my textbook in high school said in disbelief, you might as well copy the entire book. So I started to change my study habits afterwards and found my reading and memorization speed picked up. Instead of searching for the keywords and phrases to highlight, I summarized the article to myself. My capacity to learn, the speed at which I learned, and my retention of knowledge increased significantly. Helene, thanks very much for your comments. I appreciate your email. You seem to back up what the um, Association for Psychological Science said. Uh, a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, my latest best-selling book, will be on its way to you tomorrow. My second email also comments on the study methods findings, and it comes from Albert McEnroy from Baton Rouge in Louisiana. Dear Bob, Thanks for a great show. I have always found that flashcards are a great way to learn and retain information. From pe- I'll start again. From preschool through formal education and into a decades-long professional life, I found that nothing beats writing down something I need to learn and recall and having a concise collection of information at easy access for review. Sometimes in the real world, you don't have a book or a document to highlight. So I've always found three by five cards are my friend. I must admit I use three by five cards, um, not all the time, but quite often. They're very easy to stick in your pocket, very easy to make notes on, and uh, very easy to refer to. And I do think they work. Dear Albert, thanks for your email. I really appreciate your comments. I'll also send you a book of a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition Tomorrow, in the mail. We will send you an email to get your postal address. My next email comes from Jeffrey Michaels from Liverpool in England. I really like Liverpool. Good little town. Apart from the fact that's where the Beatles come from. I'm very partial to the Beatles. Jeffrey writes, Dear Bob, your show is great. Very relevant to a small businessman like me. I've heard quite a lot recently about big data and how important it is today. I might read that sentence again. Is the, I have heard quite a lot lately about big data and how important it is in today and how much more important it will be in the future. It's not me. It's bad English in Jeffrey's email. My question is, what on earth is big data? Jeffrey, every day there's about 2.5 quintillion bytes of information generated. That's 18 zeros. Now, that is one hell of a lot of data. This includes, you know, every phone call, every text, every purchase on Amazon and everywhere else, information on Facebook, every time you use the GPS in your car, or in fact, any time you do almost anything, every piece of data adds to our understanding of how society works, what services are needed, where they're needed, and when they're needed. Big data 
technology now allows us to store and sort all of this information via a new generation of supercomputers. A friend of mine works for a company called ThoughtWeb, and they're one of the three leading companies in the world in taking all this information, analysing it, and spitting it out um, solutions pretty much in real time. So it's a huge jump forward from just a few years ago. So now we can anticipate needs instead of just reacting to them. Commercially, this means that we can couple this with cameras and study not only your purchase behaviour, but your physical reactions and be able to better anticipate your needs. Now, big data is always being used very extensively in healthcare. It took 13 years to map the human genome, and that could be reduced now to just hours. Big data can be used to fight all sorts of crime, um, for example, stemming the flow of counterfeit pharmaceuticals. For government, it means being able to anticipate where to put bus stops and taxi ranks and how to schedule train services and bus services. Um, and they can analyse where calls and texts come from after big games so they know where people go and where they're going to and the best way to organise that. They know it enables them to work out where to put community facilities and so on. The applications are limitless. Big data has been likened to a global central nervous system. It certainly is a huge force for improving quality of life. Jeffrey, a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, my latest best-selling book, will be on its way to you tomorrow. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. Don't forget, if you've got a particular guest you'd like me to interview or a particular topic that you'd like me to address, please email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We're very pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's a heap of fun bringing it to you each and every week. I learn as much as I hope you do, and I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect every small business. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Show. This is for entrepreneurs, and remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is a place to come every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I hope you have a tremendous week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.